Hey, good morning. If you're here in the room or you're joining us online, really glad you are worshiping with us today at the Grove Church. I'm Charlie, uh, lead pastor here. If you're new, we are really, really glad that you're here. If you are not new and you've been around for a while then you, and you have the gift of pattern recognition, you will probably anticipate anytime something happens in the world where the world just shows us how incredibly broken it is, usually I'll take the first couple of minutes of the sermon and address it in some way. Um, but a couple things with that. One, I feel like I already kind of had said most of the things that I wanted to say on a video that we put on Facebook um, earlier this week. I think it was Thursday um, around noon. Um, I encourage you, if you want to watch that, to go ahead and, and do that. You can go ahead sometime today and watch it. It was fairly spontaneous. I was just driving around. I was like, I got to say something. And so then it was really haphazard. My wife was like, you looked ridiculous. You didn't even center yourself in the thing. And wearing this gray hooded sweatshirt. Thankfully, our media team, they have not said anything to me about it, but I'm sure they were like, this is the worst video we've ever put on our face. Don't nod. Don't sit there and, don't sit there and nod in the background. I'll call you out, man. Nodding. Uh, yeah, but I encourage you to watch that if you would like. The second thing is, um, for the first time ever, when something really bad like this has happened, this is the first time where the thing that I would want to say kind of integrates itself really well into what I was planning on talking about this Sunday anyway. So we'll just see how that goes, um, kind of just kind of weaving some of that in there. But if there's anything that I would like to add, or maybe just kind of for some of you, this would be a complete fresh start. Something that I would like to say about what happened is that I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to quote Jesus to you. Because here's the, here's the thing that I've noticed. There's this thing that's been happening a lot where uh, Christians on social media like to, like to fight with each other about who best represents Jesus, right? Is it, is it, is it the Christians who are Democrats and, and they have their verses and their values and rah, 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 and the Christians who are Republicans, they've got their verses and they, their values and then they fight with each other about who best represents the teaching of Jesus. And I'm going to share a passage with you right now that I've noticed that no one is trying to claim. Like no, like no one wants it. No one's like, and here's how you know that we're really Jesus's favorite political party because of this passage. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's not in anybody else's Bible, but I'll, I'll read it to you. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. <clears throat> you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I'm just going to read that again. I thought maybe I'll make it through the whole passage. I didn't. I'm just going to go back. I'm going to read that, that part just again. Verse 43, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Verse 47. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Really doesn't call for a whole lot of commentary. Doesn't really need for me to say anything. I'm just, I'm just, I just, I just read Jesus to you. This is what Jesus said. He, he said this. Love your enemies. Pray for those who are persecuting you. Pray for those who are abusing you. Love the ones who are doing damage to you. Love them. Pray for them. Go the extra mile to help them. If they're trying to hurt you, like if they hit you, let them hit you again. If they try to steal from you, give them more. This is what, Je- this is what Jesus, he just, he just said it. And then I read it in this context, and now your brain goes, burr, 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 and, then, and you have these objections. First one is, you Charlie, just being naive. You're just, you're, just, you're just naive. And again, I would like to suggest that all I did was All I did was read a quote from Jesus to you. If anyone is naive, Jesus is naive. But Charlie, it doesn't apply to this situation. What you don't understand, what makes you naive, is you don't understand the level of threat of what really is going on with our country right now. And I would like to suggest maybe you don't understand what is going on at the time in which Jesus said this. They were an occupied nation being abused by the Romans where they were crucified just for fun. And when it says, hey, if someone comes and asks for your jacket, give them your shirt too, that's the kind of thing that would happen. If a Roman was like, oh, I'm cold. This person's got a coat. Give me your coat. And they had to do it. It was legal. And if a Roman soldier was going on a journey and had to carry a lot of things, man, I don't want to have to carry all this. He could find any Jewish person that he wanted and tell them, you have to carry my stuff for me for a mile. Again, completely and totally legal. And Jesus says, when they do these things to you which are horribly unfair, which are abusive, because they are your enemies, I say, do it and do more. There is not a situation that you have lived under that compares to this. And this is what Jesus said, living in that situation. And if we're going to talk about naive, I know you think, man, these last three months have been whatever, or the last five years have been whatever, the last 10 years, 20 years. For me, it feels like this has been going on for my entire adult life, for the last 30 years. What has happened is one group does one thing and it's really bad and the other one responds like, how dare you do that? And then there's all just this anger and hate and, and, and then they do this and then the next one does this and the next one does this. And, and what has gotten us to this point is more anger and hate and division. And it is naive to think, but this time when we respond with more anger and hate and division. It will work this time. That is why we are here. But no one has the, no one has the stomach to do it. No one, is, no, one is, no one is willing to do this. Who is, who is, who is, who is the one that is, that, is, that is asking for this? And you're like, 
and I say it, and it's like, man, it just seems impossible. And if I would say, man, this is the solution that's going to cause us to, the, our, our nation to heal, we think, well, it's not possible. And this is what we're planning on talking about today. Is that really what God is calling us to as his followers is to live and be completely something different than what the world sees. Because what Jesus keeps talking about is like, man, if all you can do is love people who think like you, who act like you, who are just like you, who are your friends, if you only love the people who love you back, you're not doing anything better than anyone else in the world. He talks about, you're just like pagans and tax collectors, which are the two biggest villains that his, uh, his particular audience would have thought of. You're, you're no different, you're no better than them. I am telling you, I am calling you to do and be something completely different than what makes sense, than what is normal. And if you do this, is what he says, then you will be a, a, a child of your Father in heaven. This is a defining characteristic of someone who is a child of God. And this series, what we're talking about in this series is, what are those defining characteristics? If we want to say, I am a follower of Jesus, I am a child of God, what does that look like? And Mark talked last week, we're kind of talk, right now we're talking about kind of these in, inward qualities. Mark talks about that you're pursuing a relationship with God, an intimate relationship through prayer and through His Word. And today we're going to kind of talk about this next thing of what's going on in our inward life. And we'll summarize it this way. That being a Christian means being different on the inside. I'm, I'm going to be different on the inside. That I am not going to look and act like everyone else does. Not just simply in the things that I do or don't do, but on who I am in here. Jesus is describing a situation where they are being persecuted. They are being put upon by their enemies. And he's saying, can you in that operate out of love? Can you operate out of that, out of forgiveness? Can you be that type of person on the inside? And then when you are like that on the inside, this is how it will manifest itself in the way that you live. But it, it has to start with what is going on inside of my heart. And you think, I, I can't do that. That seems impossible. You have no idea the hurt and the pain and the anger and the fear and the anxiety of what's going on inside me. And in a parallel world where what happened this week didn't happen, it's very easy. Like, how do you operate without fear and anxiety in the middle of a pandemic? Take the pandemic out of it. How do I operate as someone with love and peace and joy and forgiveness in my heart when my family has done this to me? When my job is so insecure, when my spouse and I are fighting like this, how, when, when, this, when this hurt and abuse from my past, how can I be different on the inside? And so we're going to look at some passages that I think that can help us with this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is a verse that, one of the very first verses I memorized when this Bible study I was in in college, and it's always just kind of stuck with me even 30 years later. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. 
So what Paul is describing here is like when you have Jesus in your life, you are a completely different new person on the inside. And I think a lot of times when we think about what it means to be a Christian, we think of it in terms of now I, I, I used to have my sin and now I have been forgiven from my sin. We think of it in terms of this kind of transactional forgiveness, which is true. You have gone from not forgiven to forgiven. Or we think about it in terms of status. I used to be uh, eternally separated from God. Now I can be eternally connected to God. Also true. Or we think about it in terms of, well, now because I'm a Christian, now God's on my team, Jesus is on my team, the Spirit's on my team. Now I have access to tools that I didn't have before. Again, also true. All three of those things are true, but really all three of those things are just results of the thing that happens, which is God remakes you from the inside. The Bible is full of born-again imagery. You can be born again. God will resurrect you. He will make you new. He will give you new life. He's talking about making you someone different and new on the inside. You think you can't do it because you are still operating under this idea of this me that I am can't do this. I can't forgive. I can't love. I can't be at peace. That's just kind of the way that I am and because of of what's happened to me and who I, I just, I can only do this. And again, this is what Paul is talking about all the time. This is what Jesus is talking about all the time. God has made you new and you're walking around like you're still old. You used to be this and God's made you this. Why do you keep doing this? You are this now. God has made you new and he has opened you up to a completely different type of life and you're still living that old life, the old way and trying your best to be something different on the inside and you just can't. But Jesus is offering us something different, a life of internal hope and love and joy and peace. And if you want to know what this world needs, it's that. It does not need any more of your anger. It does not need any more of your hate. It does not need any more of your fear. It does not need any more of your animosity. It does not need that. It needs, this world needs God's children out there. And God's children are represented by those who love those that are different from them, who love those that they would be considered an enemy. Praying for the persecutors, forgiving those people that have hurt you. God needs his children out there living and representing God out there. And that begins by us being different on the inside. There's a passage in Galatians 5 that I think can kind of get us a little bit closer. I mean, ultimately we're going to have to get to the the how of this. And And there's a passage in Galatians 5 where Paul's talking about what it means for God's Spirit to really do this in you, what it looks like. And he's kind of setting up this contrast between two different types of people. And so... As, as a setup here, I just go ahead and ask you, as you're thinking about this, as you think about the current conflict that is going on in our little corner of the world, which groups would you put into which category and which category would you put you in? Galatians 5 verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, 
hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So we need to be different on the inside. And we need the Spirit of God. What he's saying here is like, if you have the Spirit of God in you, the fruit of this, the result of it, the, the natural outflow of God's Spirit in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what it will look, that's just God's Spirit's in you. You're connecting with God's Spirit. You are walking in that Spirit. You are letting Him kind of lead the desires and directions of your life. That's who you're going to be on the inside. Otherwise, you're going to be hateful, full of rage, selfish ambition, factions, discord, envy. So I ask you, and I'm not asking for any responses at all, you keep your total poker face going. Which of the groups out there that are fighting are the first one? And which is the second one? And I don't mean to be telling you that there's wrong answers because you're not supposed to ask questions. This thing is a wrong answer. No such thing as a stupid answer. Nope, there are. I don't see anybody representing God out there. No one. All I see is anger, hatred, discord, and dissension. That's it. No one, no one is stepping up and saying, I will be the one, we will be the one that represents God's interest in this. We will be the one that show ourselves to be children of God by loving even those who disagree with us, loving those who hate us. We will be those people. No one on either side, no one is doing that. No one is calling for what God has to say about this situation. Just more people bringing more hatred to this world. And it is fine. Jesus says, that's what pagans do. It's fine. It's fine. that That's what they do. But you're meant to be different. You have been called to be someone different. You are called to be a child of God. You are called to walk in His Spirit. Forget which group you're in. Represent me in that group. Show the world who God has called us to be. But we get swept up in it. We get swept up in the fear and the anger. You turn on the television, one more reason to be angry, one more reason to be scared, one more reason to be hate, be hateful. And you just feel like, yes, and you just get sucked into it. Anytime something like this happens, a handful of people will text me or call me or whatever and be like, oh man, you, gotta, you have to say something again. That must be, must be really difficult. And honestly, to a large degree, it's not. You turn on the television and stupid people do stupid things. 
That's easy, man. Hey, look. Stupid people. Look. Hate, anger, division. It's terrible. Yeah. Woo! Amen. Click a like. Click a share. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Charlie, that's great. Great. Well, Dave, what's hard is to kind of get any of us to be like, but I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. It's easy to look at what's on the TV. Are you representing God well in this? And we can't get out of our head that it's not my fault, it's their fault. And there's this game that like junior high boys like to play. And we're going to be teetering on the edge here for a little bit. And, 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 and they'll say an inappropriate word, but they'll whisper it. And then the game is, is that somebody else in the group has to say that word, but a little bit louder. And you just kind of keep saying the inappropriate word a little bit louder. And then finally one of them is like really brave and kind of says it in a normal tone of voice where the whole group can hear it and maybe some people on the outside and it's like, hee hee And like, it's supposed to be game over at that point. But then there's this one guy who goes up one step from that and then suddenly like everybody, like most of the people in the room are like, what? Like, especially like you're doing this at school. And then you think, well, now it's definitely game over. Teacher, what's, go- what's going on back there? <laughs> and then the next guy, Now the teacher hears it. Now I ask you a rhetorical question. Whose fault is it that that, that now they're in trouble? Is it the person who took it too far? Or is it the whole group of idiots playing the game? We always want to blame the last person. And we do not want to take into account what we have contributed to get to this point in the first place. And what has happened to this is an escalating amount of hate and fear in this world. Not representing God, not willing to say it. And when they go to the next level and do something that you don't think is appropriate and you're like, I can't believe this. This is an outrage. The only way to respond to this is to Dial it up one more notch until someone is willing to stand up and say, enough. Who will it be? It must be God's people. The people who say, I represent the Father in heaven. I am his child. I am someone who walks in the spirit. And I say, enough. Again, in a different world, take politics out of it. Talking about you and your wife, you and your husband, you and your parents, you and your brother, you and your friends, you and your people at work. So we do it, we just escalate and escalate. More fear, more anger, more hatred. And we cannot believe, we are so outraged by what they did. And we never take a moment to say, what is happening on the inside of my own life? Am I representing God well with what is going on inside of my heart? If I am God's son, if I am God's daughter, then I am full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, even amongst the worst situations. Again, when you're as old as me, and you've given a speech like this enough times, 
you anticipate the objections. And maybe some of you are thinking it now or have thought it over the last few minutes or over the course of this week, you've thought. Because here's the thing that we're all trying to do. We all imagine ourselves as Jesus overturning the money cha- the tables in the temple. If you don't know that story, there's people who are just kind of essentially conducting kind of this, this for-profit business inside of the temple area in order to kind of exchange. You're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to sacrifice a dove, but you don't have a dove, but you got money, you can buy a dove. Well, I don't have a dove, I got a pigeon. Well, I'll trade you uh, three of your pigeons for one of my dove or whatever. And, 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 he's, and God is out, Jesus is outraged by this. And so it says that he sits down, he makes a whip and, and overturns the table and says, this, is, this cannot be. This is who we imagine ourselves to be. We are the righteous Jesus with the whip in the world. Like, you don't understand. I'm right. My side is right. I'm on the side of justice. I'm on the side of God. And I'm overturning the tables. I got Jesus on my side. I got a whip. I'm a whip. I got a whip like Jesus. One of these days, I'm going to do a 10-part series, and you're going to hate it. And it's going to be 10 reasons why you're not Jesus in the temple. But for now... We'll just stick with just a couple. And the first one is, and this is the big one, you're not Jesus. That, 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 that's, a, that's enough. The second one is it says that what Jesus did was very measured. It says, and this is my favorite part of the whole story. It says that he sat down calmly and made a whip. Like, okay. You hadn't sat down calmly yet. And the second thing, he was advocating for the holiness of God. That's not what you're doing. Now, what I am not saying, and do not overhear what I'm saying, that there is not ever a time where we need to be advocates for people and we need to be actively doing things to help make this world right. I'm just saying, I'm on social media. I watch the news and I'm telling you, that's not what's happening What is happening here is can I, with enough fear and anger and hatred, can I destroy my enemy? And what I'm saying is that we we need to say enough. And even if you have managed to stay out of this, stop it at home. Stop it with your friends, with your family, with your spouse. Just stop it. There are lots of reasons, both on the news, in your home, in this world with a pandemic. There is lots of reasons to be afraid. There's lots of reasons to be angry. There's lots of reasons to, to, to be this list. Rage and jealousy and discord and selfish ambition and dissension. But what God is saying is that you, you can have something different. You can have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, then you do all of that, I want to be a child of God and I'm going to reject hate. I'm going to reject fear. I'm going to reject all of these things. I'm going to allow God's spirit to come inside me and let God's spirit give me the peace and the love and the joy that I need. And then out of this spiritual place, full of God's spirit, full of the love and joy and peace and hope of God, then I will step forward. And be an advocate for justice in this world. But you going off the way that you do. We as a people just going off. Again, whether it's on your your spouse. After they say something hurtful. After you're 
someone uh, that you're friends with on Facebook says something on your post that you don't like? Do you turn on the news and you see someone you don't like? When you just kind of go off like that, you're something, but you are not advocating for God as a child of God. But when we allow God's Spirit in and let these fruit of the Spirit come into us, now we are God's representative in our world. The question then obviously then becomes how, because it, it's really easy. Again, it's easy to, to get fired up about it. It's easy to kind of point out that the world's got too much hate and anger. It's easy to point out the fact that God's people don't seem to be doing a whole lot to slow that down. But as you look across, it's like, man, all I really know is fear. All I really know is anxiety. All I really know is anger. All I really know is hate. I don't know how to be anything different than that. There's a verse that Mark referenced last week. We're going to reference again. I may reference reference it. We may reference it the whole time, this series. This is a powerful statement that I believe holds the key to us, but may not be quite as straightforward as maybe we've heard it before. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So you turn on the TV, you're like, oh man, we're in a pandemic, and that's kind of a scary situation. Now I feel all this anxiety. And Paul says, don't be anxious, but instead just pray. And it says that God's peace will overwhelm you. You turn on political news and everything's going crazy again. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm afraid, I'm angry. Because if you just pray, the peace will come. I, I wake up and my, and my spouse is upset with me about something and, and they're angry and say something really hurtful. Now I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm scared, I'm angry, I'm all these things. But I'm just going to pray. It says the peace will come. And there's, there's something about the there's, there's something there that I think is really powerful. But I think sometimes, I, I, feel like, I feel like sometimes I feel like, man, that's really cool. That'd be awesome. Sometimes I think, man, that can't be that easy. And I kind of have these conflicting thoughts in my brain about this passage and have for a while. And I think the best way for me to kind of encapsulate it is to say this, that the solution to this is both simple and difficult. It's a very simple idea. It's very simple. When one of these overwhelmingly negative damaging emotions comes inside you. It's a very simple idea. Man, just take that to God in prayer and let God's peace come to you. I think we could use this not just simply with anxiety and peace, but with all of the things of the fruit of the Spirit. When, when, When you feel hatred, pray, give it to God and love will come. When, 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 when there's fear, when I'm out of control and God, I pray about it, God gives me control. When I'm impatient, I pray about it and God gives me patience. Here's the thing you're never going to get from me. You're never going to get judgment or anything from me because you react by being anxious to a situation that is cause for anxiety or being, being frightened of something that's scary or being angry at something that's hurtful. That's just a very natural reaction. We're in a pandemic. That's scary. 
Yes. I'm anxious. Sure. I turn on and people that I don't like are doing things that feel destructive. That makes me angry. Yes. That's a very natural reaction. But what Paul is saying here is what's next for you though? What is the next thing that's going to happen? Are you going to allow God to have a voice of what's going on in your heart? I am now overwhelmed with anxiety. I am now overwhelmed with fear. I am now overwhelmed with anger. Am I going to just stew in it? Or am I going to take it to God? God, I'm scared about this pandemic. And he's like, hey, no matter what happens, I've got you forever. But something, this could happen, this could happen, and my friend or my family, yes, yes, yes. There's lots of bad things that could happen. But you need to know that I've got you no matter what. I turn on, God, I'm so angry. You will not believe what I saw, what's going on in the world right now, what they said about me and people like me. And it makes me so angry. And then, and Jesus, I forgave the people who murdered me. But this happened. No, 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 no. While they were murdering me, I forgave them and asked God to forgive them. You need to do the same. I'm going to let God have a voice. I'm going to let God speak into this. And now I have these very natural reactions, but I give them to God and say, God, what do I do with this? And God says, here, let me give you peace. Let me give you joy. Let me give you hope. Let me give you peace that no matter what circumstances have, no matter what the natural reaction should be, God is offering us this opportunity to live internally very, very different than this world. Not like the pagans and the tax collectors do. Where I only love people who are like me. I can only be, get along with people who are like me. I can only forgive people who are like me. But I can bring hope and life and forgiveness and joy and represent God in this world no matter what. These ideas, they're... they're the, the power in them is in that even in this we can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. It's easy when everything's going the way you want it to. Oh, and I've got the joy of the Lord. What about in a pandemic when the world's on fire? When does the world need to see it most? Right now. And God is calling His children full of His Spirit to go out and give to the world love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Even as the world continues to burn, let's be God's people standing in the gap, representing and showing what it means to be a child of God, forgiven and made new by the blood of Jesus Christ and filled with His Holy Spirit. Let's pray.